Buongiorno and welcome to my podcast, My Way of Thinking, or My What for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live in the Man Cave every week. Now, as you may have noticed, things have a bit changed. I spoke about this last week. Uh, it's a, a gym, a gymnasium. Now, I had to move my pool table. This is my son's fault. Uh, and also, I still haven't got this banner sorted. It's just a white block. If, you, if you're looking on YouTube, I've got a white block. But there will be some nice graphics on there shortly. A nice, more way of thinking banner. Um, so, yeah, hope everyone's coping all right with lockdown. Stay safe. Stay positive. We will come through this. Um, yeah, just a funny old time. Winter's coming now. It's a bit cold. So I've got my woolly hat on. Uh, love my new woolly hat because I have no hair and I need a hat uh, for all those people out there who've got long locks and don't have to worry about your head being cold. I get freezing. I look like Rudolph's nose at the top of my head when it gets cold. <laughs> okay. Now my way of thinking is all about us amazing human beings that all have a story. Those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Uh, remember, four rules, one, no bullshit, and two, no judging, three, no negativity, and four, have fun. Now, today, I'm talking to my first comedian. I managed to get one, Kyle Wolf, and I love this guy. This guy does so much good with young people. He, uh, he's just so funny, and he's just so engaging. Uh, you'll really enjoy this uh, podcast. Now, unfortunately, his mic did break at the start of the podcast. So I said, pull it out and we'll just go with the flow. So I do apologize now if his uh, audio is a bit up and down at times. But trust me, you'll still be able to listen uh, in. And it's absolutely fine. And it's worth listening to because it's a cracker. So here we go. This is me speaking to Kyle. So welcome, Kyle Wolf. Um, Hello, Lee. How are you? I'm all right. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm all right. Um, I was. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in an okay place today. It's a bit weird because last night, um, my brain was in a bit of a scattered. Was in a was a bit scattered to be honest. Like, what question? What would you? What would be a sensible thing for you to be doing at half one in the morning? Just, just any. What? What's watching, watching TV? Some series. Watching, Okay, brilliant. Uh, my brain said the most sensible thing to do one day this morning would be have a shave. So that's where we're at, and I've been up since eight a.m. and I've been awake since eight a.m. and now I'm here talking to you. So I, I'm. I tell you yeah, what, lock, to be lockdown messes your brain up, though, doesn't it? It does. You do silly things, don't you, with lockdown? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I'm not really technically locked down because my day job I work in a school right. so ah. lockdown hasn't really other than not seeing mates I'm yeah. still it's really fucking weird because yeah I'm technically not locked down at all yeah 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 it's still there though isn't it it's still it mm. still feels weird you know what I mean because yeah. I'm still doing some work as well um but it does make you do strange, strange things. But we'll get on to that anyway, and we'll talk about yeah. everything. But I always look at the news in the morning, and I like to find a couple of uplifting stories to okay. start the podcast on. Uh, so I was having a look this morning, and I've got a couple of crackers for you. Okay, so cool. uh, this is one that I found. I think it's been on there a while, actually, but I just had to tell you about it. Uh, this is a toothbrush was removed from a man's stomach after he swallowed it while brushing his teeth. How the fuck do you swallow a toothbrush? <laughs> I know, right? 
So, um, a bloody toothbrush. Uh, someone like that shouldn't, um, not to be rude, but someone like that should, just shouldn't be living without supervision. <laughs> if you're pushing a toothbrush down your throat, then you're either very, well, there's no gag re- even there's no gag reflex, and you should probably be getting paid for doing stuff like that. It's just or you shouldn't be allowed to live unaccompanied. Hey, oh, listen to this, right? So it says doctors removed the 19 centimeter long brush, so it's proper brush, uh, within not one of them little cheap, you know. I could even I could even sort of understand it if it was one of them travel little shitty things. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be perfectly understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Full full 19 centimeters. Uh, the patient whose name has been withheld, surprise, surprise, <laughs> uh, was brushing his teeth when it slipped. He rushed to a nearby health clinic, which quickly referred him to a hospital. An X-ray and further tests uh, couldn't locate the brush, the brush in the man's throat, leaving the doctors to conclude it was in his stomach. Uh, and he had to have a minor operation. Doctor Bomi Tangyang from uh, this was in India said the patient was taken to a private hospital. Um, the surgeon of the hospital investigated uh, and then a procedure was the toothbrush was removed from his esophagus esophagus Saturday morning yeah this meant that the toothbrush had entered into the stomach the next day he started taking oral fluids and had an uninventful recovery Hell. Imagine that down the pub with your mates. You never guess what I did yesterday. Fucking hell. Uh, do you know what? If that was me, I would be, I'd make myself as identifiable as possible because I'd want to get paid to do that shit. He's a legend, isn't he? Yes, that's it. He as should... I said, like, he could be taking that on. He could be, he could be on the one that's got talent shows. He could be doing and I know, very yeah. well. Certain certain types of porn, if you so wish, mate. He's really making money out of this. I'd write to Oral B. I would, and I'd say, Oral B, look, I've done this. I can say it was with one of your toothbrushes. <laughs> oh Shit, dear. Man. Oh my god! Imagine that endorsement, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh. I just, I just don't understand it. I really don't. But, but there you go. That that did make me smile. And then the other story was, uh, uh. A bungling burglar left his name and address at a crime scene, okay? A bungling burglar. Yeah, bungling oh, burglar. That's a bit like Wee Willy Winky, isn't it? Like, I know, yeah. Sounds like there's something out of a really shit children's book. The bungling burglar. I know, yeah. Through Birmingham. It, the news reporter, the guy who wrote this, Jack Hillcox, he thought of that bung, <laughs> bungling <laughs> burglar. Um, so let me tell you about that. A bungling burglar who left behind a rucksack containing his name and address at the scene has been jailed. Surprise, surprise. Burglars, no, I'm sorry. No burglar uses a fucking rucksack. I know, yeah. No. I know. A swag at, bag. Oh, like, it sounds like the, um, do you remember the hamburger from McDonald's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what this, that's just what this sounds like. With a fucking sack over your head. What a dickhead, I'm sorry. You deserve to get caught if you do. I know, I know. Malcolm Pike, I mean, he looks a complete scumbag. He broke into a garage in Sunderland, stole £150 worth of cleaning equipment. He was making his getaway and accidentally left behind a bag containing letters bearing both his name and address. Oh, that 
That's... You can see, you can see the police finding it, can't you? Like um, Chief Wigan <laughs> off The Simpsons, going, "Oh, it's got a name and address here. Who could that hmm. be?" Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says, it says the information helped lead police to uh, the suspect. Uh, yeah, the sergeant. Yeah. Uh, sergeant said Malcolm Pike is a prolific thief who co who's constantly prolific. Uh, Prolific. A prolific prolific thief. Like he does it all the Still time. Still doing stupid shit like this. So right. he's done this before and has oh, yeah. and they've kind of let him off. I'm sorry, but then that's the law enforcement. That's the law enforcement. That's a yeah, that's the law I know, yeah. I know. Uh, they've put unfortunately for him, his latest offence was fairly unsophisticated. Uh and so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, and saw him leave behind a number of personal items which directed officers straight to his front door. Uh, in addition to pleading... He's clearly a bit special, isn't he? He's, oh, he's very special, I know. Yeah, very special lad. In addition to pleading guilty to the burglary, <laughs> uh, he also admitted another burglary uh, and some other thefts uh, which police have called a crime spree. During which he, no, get this, yeah, the last line during which he stole clothes from a family's washing line. Oh, God, what the fuck? This oh, guy. What? This guy. Oh, mate, was it the same? I'm, oh, I, 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 I have no fucking words, Lee. This, this the guy. That, well, first of all, where was that? Where was, where was this based? Uh, Sunderland, weren't it? Sunderland. Sunderland. Right, what are the police doing in Sunderland that they allow people to go through people's washing? There are, yeah, they're, in, instead they're arresting people if they're uh, if they've got more than six people in the house. Oh yeah, that's true. while they while this guy's running in the garden going, ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, Levi five by ones. I know it did. It, it does make it does make you think. You know, come on. I mean, I'm all against, you know, I'm against mental wards, the old-fashioned ones where they put a straight jacket on, but they should put yeah. a guy in one. Just keep him safe, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. Keep him safe. And also, fucking hell. I, no, no words, Lee. I know. Sorry. I know. I'm, I'm, trying well, to put, I'm trying to put a sentence together. I know, I know. He's, 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 he, he, is, he gives burglars a bad name. He does. He really, really does. It's almost like he wanted to get caught. But he kind of, well, either he wanted to get caught or he knew that the police force in Sunderland are so redundant that they're not, even with a name and address, they're yeah. not going to figure out who it is. And yeah. to be fair, he was, probably, he was pretty on the money with that one, if that was the case. I know, yeah. Can you imagine when they caught him and told him he must have been, oh, fuck. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have carried around a bag with all my letters in. <laughs> put my name and put my name and address, but and they still found me. What? <sighs> anyway, oh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Anyway, so uh, it's really it's really good that you actually found some positives in the news right now. There always there always is. The problem is the media like to put them right to the bottom, so you see all yeah. the shit first. Well, you know the I mean? uh, it's the it's creating the moral panic. It's about the creating the moral panic, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what the media fears. That's what the media fears. Yes, like, they do. They feed, they feed off our fear, whether it's left-wing media or right-wing media, they still feed off our fear. 
Yeah, it's frustrating, but that that is the way of the world at the minute. Anyway, let's talk about you. So, Kyle Wolf, an act, an actual comedian, first comedian, first comedian on the show. I wanted to be comedian. I like the you put actual comedian from actual before comedian. That makes oh, yeah. it very good. I'm actually he's not. A, he's not a pretend one. He's real. I'm gonna write my, I'm gonna write an Edinburgh show just saying the Kyle Wolf actual the actual comedian. Hey mate, there you go. Easy. You can get some, you can get you'll probably get some of the you might get some of the royalties for that, but you know, as with most Edinburgh shows, it won't make any money or something. But, <laughs> so anyway, so you obviously are a comedian, but what was growing up like, Kyle? Did you always know were you the class clown? How how did you, um, how did it start off? Here's the thing, like, here's how I kind of reasoned it. Like, you could, in my school, you couldn't be the weird kid because the weird kid got bullied. But the funny weird kid got kind of accepted, and that's kind of what I was. So I wasn't like the class clown or anything, but I did just about enough to make people laugh. And it was, and it was, making the laugh was a survival thing. Yeah. That's pretty much it because if you didn't make them laugh, then you know, you could probably get the shit kicked out of you. But I was lucky enough to be able to make the harder kids laugh. And so I kind of got not friends with them, but like accepted by them and like, you know, was kind of cool with people. And that's kind of how it's always just been a defense mechanism, isn't it? So like mm. whenever something kind of serious happens. The first thing that you think about is how can I make a joke out of this to make it a little bit lighter. I mean, it's not always the most appropriate thing, but like, um, yeah, I remember being at a funeral, I think, and this was must have been about ten or so years ago, and the we were and the the corpse was late, and this person was known for being late. So the first thing that came to me at like sixteen years old was like, oh my god, they can't even turn up in time for their own funeral. So there's yeah it's it's just a it's kind of a defense mechanism really and like it's about them making people like you i suppose yeah yeah but saying that i mean the alternative is that you're withdrawn and quiet you know yeah. what i mean that's true and that's that's not me and if that is you and if you are a bit withdrawn i know a lot of comedians who are a bit more well you know introverted and stuff um, well, to me, yes, I think most comedians are introverts, but they are intro- they are introverted, extra- extroverted introverts. If that, if that makes yeah. any sense, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean because I'm 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 similar. You know, okay. I, I do all these things, filmmaking and radio yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but actually. You know, I'm quite shy in certain aspects. You know, if we go mm. to a restaurant, I like to be out of the way. You know what I mean? I always really? feel a little bit apprehensive. I'd hate to be famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, it must be awful where people are just turning up and speaking to you. You know, if I mm. see someone I haven't seen for years and years, I'm like, mm. oh, I don't really want to speak to them. Do you know what I mean? It's funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've had situations where my face has been on a, my face has been on a poster for a gig or whatever, and Whilst that feels quite good, it's also a bit like, oh, okay, now there's an expect, now there's an, an expectation. People actually don't know who I am, and yeah. that's kind of terrifying. But it's kind of good at the same time. But yeah, I do get where you're coming from. Fame just seems like this 
horrible. It, well, the, the 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 levels of fame kind of you kind of see kind of it depends on level of fame it is really. Yeah. At the upper and the really upper echelons, it just seems absolutely terrifying. I would not want that at all. But oh, yeah. sort of people knowing who I am and a little bit about me, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Where they appreciate, yeah, where they appreciate you definitely. Yeah, um, like I've been to get, I've done a few gigs, and like I met comedian, I met comedians so I've never even spoke, spoken before, and they come up to me and say, "Oh, you're the guy on the podcast." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah." So, so you did that at school, and then obviously. Mm -hmm. So you come in, you're finishing school. Did you mm. have a career in mind or did you think, actually, I'd like to be a stand-up comedian? I always wanted to work with kids and work with challenging, work with um, kids with behavior problems because I'd done that since I was, I'd been like a peer mentor since I was about four, 15, 14, 15 years old in my secondary school. So I kind of wanted to go into like either teaching or like youth work or social, or social work. So I kind of tailored my all my education and stuff and every job that I had from when whilst from whilst I was at school to uh, after to after school for university and that towards yeah. working with kids and young people. Yeah. So, where does that where does that come from? Do you feel do you feel like you want to help young people? Well, yes, yeah, because I know all the amount of behaviour and other sport that I've had when I was in school. And I know for I've got some experience, I've got a lot of experience, so I can pass, I feel like, I, some may disagree, I don't know, but I feel like I can pass that, that's, well, that, I can pass some of the experiences and some of the things that I've done and some of the way, things that I've achieved onto, onto, young, onto young people, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm kind of, that is mainly what I'm doing at the moment, so I, yeah. I do yeah. as well as yeah, it's empathy, isn't it? I suppose it's yeah. it's understanding how someone else feels, and then and mm. then thinking oh, I can help them. You know, yes. I can turn this into a positive thing. So, when you left school, did you go uni or college? Yeah, I went. Um, well, I did. I did. Um, I did sixth form at second half school as well. Yeah. And then after sixth form, I went and I went to um, not even Trent University. Where I did a degree in youth studies, and then. After that, after that, I did um, a master's course in applied child psychology, and from then on, I've been just working in working in schools, just learning behaviour support, and that's kind of where I am at the moment. At the moment. I bet that's an eye opener, isn't it, Kyle? I bet yeah. that's interesting. Yes. It is. It, it really is because it's. Um, it is because it's not just because you're because you're not just working with the child or the children, but you're working with in my role at the moment, you work with literally everyone. You're working with the families, you're working with social services, you're working with healthcare workers. Um, and some of it is quite harrowing, but a lot of it is really rewarding. Um, yeah. yeah, but it is very, very eye-opening to see how everything, how all the pieces of the puzzle, how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together, whether it be teachers, the learning pain sport workers, social workers, families, how they all fit together to support the young person. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing, though. You know what I mean? That mm. You've got this young person and all these support mechanisms are, are surrounding them to help them. 
You know what yes. I mean? Because I think nothing, nothing worse of a young person is alone. You know, that is exactly. a terrible thing. Um, mm. and it's so The role you do is such an important thing, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I was speaking to someone at work the other day, and we agreed that the kids at the moment, even though they may not see it, they're so much more lucky than we were. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 29 and 30 this year. Like when I was growing up, when I was in school, mental health just was not spoken about the way it is, especially not the way it is today. So yeah. there's much more of a focus on it. And I think that they are in a much better position than at least I was when I was in school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk about negatives, but some of the positives in this day and age yeah. is definitely that. I mean, the, these kids that maybe grow up and they feel like, you know, um, they're you know they they not sure what sex they are or you yeah. know it, it must have been back in the day it must have been awful you feel yeah. there's something wrong with you whereas now it's a lot more accepted and i would guess mm -hmm. kids feel they can talk or say yeah. something to someone um and parents as well now are a lot more flexible and, and listen you know yeah. whereas back in the day i suppose you know parents like this is this you know and uh, so it is so it is definitely a positive thing yeah it is a positive thing. i mean obviously you still you have the odd you have the odd situation where it is a bit more old school but you just learn how to deal with that but we're the problem with today's day with this day is that um we've got to really keep up with literally everything that's happening with social media and what kids are access because that's just expanding on like a weekly on a weekly basis yeah that's, that's one thing that i'm forever grateful for that i didn't have to grow up in this day in this day i know yeah with social media and with the pressure of having to put your whole life out there even though what, that's it's kind of ironically saying that seeing as a actually on a podcast talking to you about my life yeah yeah but, but <laughs> you're right i mean i always think now this day now it swings and roundabouts because you know use correctly social media is a brilliant brilliant thing but i almost oh, I, think, agree. I almost think in schools they should teach you how to mm. deal with it because mm. like you say you get a young adult looking at instagram and looking at someone that looks like they've got an amazing life, yeah. you know, and they don't know how they don't know how to interpret that and think actually, you know, that's not real. Mm. It, that's where it gets worrying, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm 29 and I still scroll through Instagram and I get a dopamine and I do get the dopamine hit when I get likes on my, when I get likes on my photos and my videos and whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I do, yeah. I know, I know. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, have you seen that? Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but have you seen the documentary that Jesse Nelson did on Jesse from Little Mix that she did about um, her yeah. image and all that kind of stuff? There was yeah. a point in that where she said, the only reason that you post anything on Instagram is for likes. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that is literally the, that is really the only reason it's to get acceptance from other people. Yeah, but yeah. the question is, where does that come from, and why do we need it? Yeah, that's yeah. the real. Issue. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like you say, for for young kids growing up now, it's a bit of a minefield. I think that's mm. where the parenting, if the parenting, you know, parents now have got to be uh, have got to understand 
mm. social media and, yeah. and and then they'll what they'll do is pass that through to the kids but if you yeah. haven't got that parenting which some kids unfortunately haven't got then mm. like you say that's where they need a support mechanism because it's just yeah. a minefield isn't it what we're kind of doing what we kind of do is that we are often telling the parents about these new apps that kids use to like hide the screens on their phones. Oh, yeah. So it makes it so they can properly monitor what their kids are doing and what they're watching because yeah, they they can like, literally access anything and yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. But you know what? They can also access some great things as well. Yeah, yeah. And and that's not bad parenting. It's just parents yeah. not knowing. Exactly. Exactly. You can't not well if you don't know about it, then in your world it doesn't exist, does it? No, no, no. So, so you've got involved in that. You're obviously very yeah. passionate about that. So now, comedy-wise, yes. so you got into that, and, you, and then this little niggling thing saying, oh, I'd like to do comedy. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I've always grown up around... I've been watching stand-up from a very, very young age. Like, I remember... I think my first introduction to stand-up would have been in 2000 when I was at my cousin's house and it was the MTV Musical Awards and the Wayans brothers were hosting it because they'd just finished a scary movie and they introduced Jim Carrey and yeah. he did yeah and he did five, and he did about five minutes of him not wanting to be of him not wanting to be there and him actually I'm an R and I'm actually coming to the thing until Ron Howard who directed The Grinch, who obviously that was coming out and said, you know, let's do this as you can promote The Grinch. And he still didn't want to do it until they said that he could introduce Eminem. <laughs> and that was kind of like, oh, okay, he's not just an actor, he's actually talking, he's getting, and he's actually getting lost. And I was been about, what, eight or nine years old at the time of that. And I thought, okay, great. And then from about 11 and 12, I've got, Properly into the likes of Richard Fryer and um, and Chris Rock. I mean, yeah, not the not what your average twelve-year-old should be watching, but it's it's mind. It was mind-opening stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, this dude is talking, and they are laughing, and that just sounds that just looks so that just looks amazing that people can actually do that. And then I remember being about sixteen years old watching Russell Brands doing Life Live and thinking, ah, almost anyone can do this. I mean, obviously now that I do it, I think not, <laughs> not just anyone can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were many, many times yeah. where I definitely couldn't do it. Yeah. And there probably will be many more times where I definitely can't do it. Yeah. But they made it look like and made it seem so easy that they made it feel like, oh, okay, that's something that, people can just do. And so the thought went away for a minute. Thought, and by a minute, I mean like what? 11 years, 11, 12, 10, 11 years. So I was about 26 years old and I was just thinking of something to do which would push, well, which would push me to my limit. And I remember a conversation that someone, I was having with someone during sixth form, when we were watching a video of someone who stand up, and they said the scariest thing that they could ever think of would be standing on stage, trying to tell a joke, and no one laughing. So I was like, okay, I thought to myself, right, okay, I'm gonna try and do that now. So 
I enrolled myself into a comedy course and I know that if any comedians are listening, I know there's a whole stigma about comedians who do comedy courses because it's not the correct way to do things, apparently. And, but what I did was, when I did, when I started the comedy course, which was led by a wonderful comedian called Kate Smurfwhite, um, I thought to myself, I did not want to die. I didn't want to die on my first day at the showcase, which would have been about seven weeks, seven weeks after I started. So after the first week, I took myself off, I started taking myself off to open mic nights. So I gained experience, so I gained experience and gained forms experience. And after and after I'd done about what 10 gigs and I've come and um, we come to the end of the course, we have the showcase. And I told Kate that I'd actually been doing I'd secretly been doing gigs in between in between the um, in between starting the course. And the showcase and she was like all right okay you're opening the show then and so <laughs> a nice little baptism of fire and so i did seven minutes did all right invited a friend down and yeah from then on it's been about three years it's been about three years and here we are um not being able to gig at this point yeah. because of covid but yeah it's been a really interesting time man. in that um, in that three years i've done like i've done edinburgh fringe with a couple of friends of mine um done a couple of competitions which are horrible but you've got to do, <laughs> you've got to do them yeah. and yeah it's just been it's just been a wild ride man and i can't wait to see where it ends up yeah i love comedy and i love black comedy you know mm -hmm. uh lighter comedy family comedy i, I look a, yeah. i love a whole range yes. um, yeah. and i love old school comedy richard Pryor, class yeah. you know people like that and it's always amazed me comedians uh, the psychology of it because yeah you you the headspace to mm. know that you're going out in front of people with mm. jokes you think are funny and other people, your friends and family might think funny, but when you deliver that to an audience, <laughs> you it could fall completely silent. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to be so brave. <laughs> Talk us about the psychology of it. Um, well, my family have not. I think most of my family haven't actually seen me do anything. So my parents and my, my parents and my dad whatever, haven't actually gone and seen me. So Yeah. No, they haven't yet. Um, and taking you through the psychology of it, it is just the, it's the thrill. What I kind of see it as is when you go to a gig, it's a bit like uh, being, a, being on a roller coaster, right? Where when you're waiting, it's the, when you're waiting for your name to be called by the MC, you're just waiting in the queue. Um, when you're walking up, um, when you're walking up, when you're, um, when you're walking up to the stage, it's like the roller coaster's going up the hill, and <laughs> when the laugh, when the initial applause to get you on stage stops, that's when you hear the click, you know, the click on the roller coaster, and it's downhill from here. And like, you can either enjoy that, you can have a really have a great ride, or you can be sipping yourself. And it's just the, I think for for, for me at least, it's just trying to work out the fun of working out what works for audiences and what doesn't is what kind of keeps kind of what keeps me going and also the 
mathematical, sort of the not mathematical side. Well, actually, no, some of the mathematical side because I like counting how many jokes I do per second yeah. and how many or how many laughs I get per second, um, how many laughs I get per minute. Um, and if I get less than um, if I get if I get less than one laugh per per eight seconds or something, then I'm not doing something right, and I need to figure out what I'm, figure out what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, um, that for me, I hope I, I hope I'm not got, I hope I'm not gone around the houses too much, but like yeah, that for me is kind of why I, that's for me kind of why I like doing it, just the figuring out like what works and what doesn't work yeah. and be putting things together and then connecting all the things which may not have worked before to newer things which kind of do work and making them work to making them work together to form something that's even better than they were individually if that makes yeah. sense yeah no totally because i think that's the thing uh, people don't realize these top comedians didn't mm. just walk on stack you know the behind the scenes, mm. uh, you know, the the dedication, the rehearsing, yeah. everything they've gone through is, and that's what makes them so good. Because yeah. as an audience, you don't even realise they just walk on and it's like they're just talking. But yeah. these these top comedians are seriously dedicated. They know, you know, they've gone mm. through everything time and time again, haven't they? Yeah, and also what a lot of audiences don't realise. I'm probably getting. Well, I'm probably never going to get booked by them if I say this, but I don't care. Um, the shows like Live at the Apollo are always very heavily edited. Always of very course. Heavily edited. Yeah. Um, so what they'll sometimes do is they'll edit in laughs where there were where where there weren't laughs, and they'll edit in silences where there weren't silences, so they can make the performance look as good or oh, bad yeah. as they want. Um, but yeah, the comedians would just pop up out of nowhere. They never just pop out, pop out of nowhere. Like I expect, like I thought they used to. Um, they're not just popped out of obscurity. They are yeah. people who've been working the circuit for sometimes up to five years mm. and have put all their, have put a lot of money behind, have put a lot of money behind this career bar, and they work their asses off to get that three minute slot and not the week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The psychology of it, amazing. It, it interests me because I'm a filmmaker and a writer, yeah. and it, oh, it's the same kind of mindset in that mm. I've done so many screenplays, you send them off, you get rejections, and you get rejections, and people will say to me who don't understand, they'll say, well, why are you doing it? Why are you still doing it? And it's almost like I'm, I'm, I know one day it'll lead somewhere. And if it mm -hmm. doesn't, I've enjoyed trying. And it must That's be the it. same for comedians when they die on stage. You come off, yeah. you feel like shit. Yeah. But you think, Roy, what can I do to improve it? I'll try again and again That's and again. It. That's it. Um, I have the Millican. I'm, I live by Millican's rule. I serve something that Sarah Millican does. Um, and that is, I can think about a gig, whether it's good or bad until 11 a.m. the next morning. Hmm. That's the, and after that, can't think about it anymore, move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like that's, that's really cool that you do like the screenplays and stuff. Like how many, how many of you sort of sent off this year in your record? Well, this year's been a bit different because, of, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's been a bit, obviously, but obviously it's been a bit of a nightmare for me because I made a, a feature film um, last year, yeah. I've done short films and stuff like that, and I made a feature film, and um, 
this year was the big year for me to, I was supposed to go to Italy to get the music sorted, have mm-hmm. a big premiere, um, and it's all gone tits up. So oh, now goodness. I've got this film and it's like, what do you do? Do you release it online, which is a bit crap, or do mm. I keep hold of it until things are better and cinemas are open? So I'm keeping hold of it. So it's been pretty shit for me, to be fair. Um, but I'm, not, you know, I'm not complaining. People have had, you know, far worse issues. Um, but as far as sending out scripts, you know, I've done it over the years. I just generally tend to just send them through the years, get your rejections back and, yeah. you know, and you, and you learn from it. But I think, but it's probably the same for you. I'd rather keep doing it because I enjoy it. You know, I don't get paid for it. Hopefully one day I will, but I don't. Yeah. But, but but I enjoy it. You know, it's my hobby, if you like. You know, some people go to the gym and do other stuff. And, but but that's my hobby and I, and I enjoy it. And I always say to my kids, I'll say, you know, do something you enjoy. If you can get paid for it, that is the ultimate. But if you can't, mm. always, do, always have a passion. Always do something you enjoy. You know what I mean? That's right. And it's... Yeah, it is important to, well, obviously you've got to keep the lights on that, but you've got to do something that makes you feel alive, man. And if for you that's writing, and for me it's comedy and also writing, that, and filmmaking for you as well, yeah. that's, you've got to keep doing it. You've yeah. just got yeah. to, otherwise you're, not that you're not going to enjoy life or whatever, but you've got to do some, you've got, everyone's got to have a hobby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing is our hobbies are quite... You've got. If you're not doing it, you don't understand it. So, like my wife will be like, "Why are you doing? You know, why are you up till Mm. two in the morning writing or or editing?" She doesn't understand that, but Mm. she's great because she's supportive. Um, Yeah. From other people, you know, you have to be in that that creative mindset, don't you? Like we Mm. are, and some people are, but I think a lot of people just you know, are happy to go to work and come home and relax, whereas we're just nutters are just... <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, like, I think for, well, for myself, and I think possibly for you, it's kind of what we do has kind of, even though we're not always getting paid for it, it's kind of bridged from being a hobby to being a massive part of our life, to being a massive part of our lives. It's just that we're not getting paid for it. So it's basically we're doing volunteer work. We're just basically doing volunteer work right now. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's fully merged into it's evolved from more than just a hobby to something yeah. to something that is absolutely part of our lives now. Yeah. Because on my on our my Twitter page and everything, we're as well. You know, mine says comedian and yours says filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. And for you as well, and, and for me as well, um, for me, it sorts out some of my mental issues or, or it is mm. like therapy, you know, for me, mm. I really enjoy it. And, and, and I guess it's the same for you comedians, you know, when mm. you're on that stage and you're just saying whatever you want to say and enjoying mm. it, I suppose it's a great, a great release. It is, a, it is a good release, but I think it's also important not to use the audience as your therapist mm. because they are there to have a good time at yeah. the end of the day. And, they, the comedians who, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that if you do treat it as like a therapy, as a therapy thing, it can be therapy, it's good as therapeutic, which it is, but it's not a therapy session. The yeah. audience doesn't always want to know about your deepest, darkest thoughts <laughs> yeah. on a Saturday night in Watford. They want to have a laugh, have a drink, and they want to be entertained at the end of the day, and that's what you that's what people need to remember and what you need to be able to get from that 
from them being entertained is a sense of joy. So yeah, it can be therapeutic, but from, I'm just saying this as someone who's pretty new to, is pretty new to the game, like, like, like three years, but from speaking to people who are much more accomplished than me, yeah. It's, yeah, the ones who use it as, com- as completely as therapy sessions, yeah. they aren't always the most successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it totally, totally makes sense. Now, one thing I am interested about is how is comedy in, in today's world? Because we've got a lot of snowflakes. Yeah. You can't offend anyone. How is and that's that? not true. Not true. You can okay. say what you, you can say what you want. You yeah. can literally say whatever you want. Um, but at the same time, if you set like you can say you can do a certain well, freedom of speech, I agree with that, but also people have things to react to freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. So you can say what you want. If people don't like it, then they don't like it. Like yeah. it's down to you whether or not you are like it's down to you whether you whether or not you're affected by them not liking you. Yeah, so that makes sense. Or yeah. what you say. Yeah, yeah. I think people have got to take it for what it is, haven't they? Yeah. If you do a so, joke and it's a good joke, you're not doing it maliciously. Y- yeah. You know, you're always going to have someone say, "Oh, you shouldn't have said that." Uh, yeah, but as long true. as there's no maliciousness in it, yeah. But cares? also, at the same time, also at the same time. If someone doesn't like, if someone feels like they want to say something to you about the joke, then that's their prerogative as well. It's just about how you take it on. If you, if you're willing to take it on the gym, and if you're not willing to take it on the gym, then you need to do a bit of evaluating yourself as well on why you're affected by yes. them being offended by your joke. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That is, if you're offended, you need to look at yourself. Yeah, which is a is a great point. Uh, because ultimately, people. you're being offended by them being offended by your joke. Because yeah. you're upset. <laughs> yeah. You're upset that they don't like what you put out. Yeah. And why? Then you need to look at why you're upset by that. Yeah. And you then need to do a little bit of soul searching yourself. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really, really missing. I think that's something that's really, really missing because it is genuinely a good joke. Yeah. No matter how dark it is, people will genuinely people will generally laugh. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, but at the same time, if it is like, um, like the old, like people coming on saying, "Oh, you're um, oh, these 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 people are how about these people words or these n words or blah, 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 blah. then you're gonna then then you're gonna get some backlash, and you've got to accept that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fine line, but I think ultimately, if it's funny, it's 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 funny. Yeah. And what I love about the British people, I think we've got the best sense of humour in the world. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And if you yeah. can take the piss, uh, yeah. the one place you're going to be able to do it is in England. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. We're, we're far more sophisticated than, say, Americans, without slagging the Americans off. Yeah. Obviously, we're an older country, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just our sophistication levels. With, with, because I've been in America a few times, and I'll, uh, I'll say something really sarcastic, and they don't get it. And you're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like... Fucking hell, I didn't really mean you complete brain dead. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's true. Go on. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, we do have a really, yeah, we do have a really good sense of humor. That's one thing that, yeah, I'm really, really thankful for that we can laugh at shitty, we can laugh in the face of shitty situations. And 
yeah, we do, and we generally speaking, we do just get on with it, don't we? Yeah, generally yeah. speaking, I mean, yeah. you get some dickheads, but then you get dickheads everywhere, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even ask if I could swear on this podcast. I mean, is that what you want? Well, the whole the whole point of the podcast was I do a radio program as well, and everything has to be very PC. Um, ah, so obviously, when we lockdown started, I thought, "Wrong, well, we do a podcast because I can say what the fuck I want. I can swear yeah. and yeah. You know, and enjoy talking to people with that freedom because I love talking." So, to so, question about radio. Then is there like there's, there's just I did at one point want to get into radio, but. There just seems to be so many more. There just seems to be so many rules about what about off and that about what you can and can't say. And yeah, it's. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I love it because yeah. I do a film show and I'm talking about my passion. Yeah. Um, but actually, and I've been to other radio stations and done bits on there. But when I see professionals do it, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd love it because you've. It's almost an alter ego. It's not really you. No, um, because you've got to be so impar- impartial, um, mm. and I don't think I could stick with that. I think you know I see really good presenters, mm. and and they'll switch the mic off and they'll say something, and I'll think, "Were well, you judgmental bastard?" Yeah, and then they'll switch the mic back on. None of the audience will ever guess they're judgmental. No, do you know what I mean? Not. Now, that, yeah. if you if that's what you're into, that's great. I mean, like. We're having this conversation now. If this was on radio, I'd be like, "So, Carl, what, what you know? What are you doing? How oh, have you enjoyed comedian?" Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if if you want to do that, then great. But I think if you're if you if you want to get on radio because you want people to understand you and be real, I think yeah. podcasts are are the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, sorry. The last bit, like the the last person. I think the last real. Not well, real in inverted commas. No, actually, no, not the last real one. I think one of the people who actually got the balance right, and I know I'm, I'm going to get stick for this, probably from you as well, was Nick Grimshaw. Hmm, yeah, he wasn't, but he, like he would be a judgmental, sucky bastard, but he'd do it with a lot of he'd do it with a bit of humor, wouldn't he? Yeah, 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 you do get that, you do, you know, you still get that, but I think mm. the majority, and you have to have that power because well, if you starting yeah. out starting you know you play this song you talk about this you don't talk about and and to get started you, you, you know you've got a very few like chris moore's probably is is managed because of his power yeah. he, he's pretty yeah. much there but the majority of radio you know a lot of bbc radio and stuff like that it's it's you know they're, they're running to a script really and well yeah here's the thing it's all well apart from the bbc it's all owned by well, massive financial investors now. Yeah. Like yeah. capitals owned by global, whatever yeah. global does, and yeah. other and others as well. Yeah, and they're 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 a product, aren't they? You know, they want people to listen to listen to their adverts to make money. And that's the other thing about radio is a business. You know what yeah. I mean? They have to make money. They have to put the adverts on. Obviously, the BBC mm. don't, but there's other ways to get that rent. Well, your license fee, but that's yeah. another fucking story. But but yeah, yeah so they are, they, are, they are a business. And I think what's happening more and more with podcasts, people like uh, Joe Ro- you know, Joe Rogan, for instance, yeah. is people are looking at him and thinking he's having a chat and saying what he wants and doing really well with it. So I definitely think with podcasts, I think that that's the, that's the future. Whether radio dies, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't think it's ever going to die. So I think enough people are going to be having it on their cars and all that. But yeah. I think that it is kind of a stagnant media form at this point because yeah. you can just literally, if you want to hear people talking, you can li- you can just put on a podcast. And if you want to hear music about people talking, just watch yeah. that platform. Yeah. Whatever your chosen on streaming service is. Yeah. Radio's easy listening, isn't it? You can have it on the background. You can have it on in the afternoon. Rover's mm. podcast, I think you're a bit more involved, if you like. Yeah. I mean, there is a, I think there is elements to that. But I think you can also just have podcasts on the background as well. If yeah. you feel like driving or whatever. Yeah, true, true, true. So where do you see the future then, uh, Carl? The um, future for you as a comedian and the future? Right, okay. So if you'd have asked me this last year, I'd have been able to give you a pretty detailed plan about how I've yeah. seen this how I've seen this happening. Yeah. Um, however, because of the because of the lockdown because of the lockdowns, um, I can I'm kind I'm kind of in a, I'm in a bit of a weird place. I'm in a bit of a weird place at the moment because I think that the comedy industry needs to get back with its feet, and to be able to enable to be able to do that, people need to actually get people who have comedy as their sole livelihood need to get paid first. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the main priority at this point. I've got a couple of I've got a couple of um, things up my sleeve to help to help that to have that happen not to talk about it yet but there Ooh, top secret it's, it's in the plan i don't like talking about things until they're actually properly yeah. you know until they're properly going to be happening um but yeah i've got some a couple of things in the pipeline for make for potential most like it's 2021 to help getting people to help getting people here so getting things started up again um for me, um, I think what the future holds for me really is mainly well gigging as much as I can, mm. and podcast. Well, getting the pod, getting the podcast, um, getting more well, getting the podcast a bit more like more widely known than it already is. Um, going back up to Edinburgh next year, but not as maybe not as performer because the people who did the who got a show this year? They're going to be getting the priority for next year. Yeah. But going up and doing some interviews there, and I think in 2022, potentially looking well, at the end of 2021 to 2022, potentially looking for agents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think we've just got to run with it, haven't we? I think the key is to keep uh, keep ticking over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep doing something. Like say, you've got your podcast. You know, no doubt you'll be writing jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just keeping it ticking over, waiting and, and thinking this will turn around. And when it does, we'll be stronger mm. than ever, you know. We'll really, That's right. really go for it. And also, I think um, I'm starting to write a lot. I'm starting to write a lot more, like scripts and sketches and stuff. So getting them, hopefully, getting, getting them hopefully potentially sent off and seen by people would be would be something would be something would be and that would be a good step and yeah, hopefully definitely. that will hopefully start happening yeah but if ever you want me to have a look at one of your scripts send it over mate i will okay. i'll give you my opinion on it and give you a bit of a okay. 
not that I'm a professional or anything, but I've read. <laughs> no, but I've read a lot. Yeah, you've, and you've done more than I. I'm guessing you've, you've definitely done more than I have. So yeah, yeah. your eyes would be quite good actually. Well. We'll see. <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day. Well, if you make it first, remember me. And if I make it first, I'll remember you. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have each other on each other's podcast like, constantly. So this will be- Amen to that, brother. Amen to that, brother. Now, I always ask uh, uh, advice. What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about getting into comedy? And don't say don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd say just don't say you're going to do it just do it because the people that i met enough people and audience members and stuff who say oh i'm gonna i'm gonna start this i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do my first gig and they never ever do don't talk about it just do it and then if you die in your first couple of gigs or whatever don't care well just keep up just keep going and you'll find out whether or not it's something that you like or whether you really don't like, because it's not just about the getting up on stage, it's about the traveling and the meeting people and the, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of sides to comedy um, other than what just getting on the stage. Yeah. And you kind of figure out very quickly whether it's for you or not. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say just, if you're going to do it, if you're going to try it, just try it and just do it. Yeah, it's good advice because I'll get people that will say to me, oh, I've got a great book or I've got a great film, you know, mm. and I'm like, well, write it then. It's no good. To, yeah. you, you can have the best book in the world, but if you've never wrote it, no one will ever know. Exactly. No one's going to um, do it for you. It's a bit like um, at the school of work that kids will come up to me and say, so I did my homework, but I didn't hand it in. I was like, well, then you didn't do your homework then. You didn't hand it in. <laughs> that old classic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Love it. Now, I always ask uh, my guests for a favourite, Kyle. Uh, it okay. can be a film, a TV show, music, okay. book, whatever. What What have you picked? Okay, so my favourite film is Stand By Me. Oh. And I absolutely... It really annoys me how few people... Or how few people have that in their top in their top tens list yeah. or top fives list because it's just an amazing film. And when I mention it to people, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that film is really really good." I was like, "Yeah, I know." Um, it's just so heartwarming, and I like the fact that it's basically the Goonies but with your mom jokes, with more your mom jokes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what a great choice. Oh, I love that film. It probably is. I mean, people ask me my favourite film, and, and I always say, you have a favourite film at a time in your life, so mine changes. Uh, but Stand By Me is up there. Just phenomenal. Um, it's probably, it's been my favourite film for about, what, maybe 12 years now. So I think it's pretty much staying there. Yeah, yeah, it is, and if people haven't seen it, should see it. I think, yeah. and, it, and, and it's the actual heart of the film, isn't it? Yes, the key. exactly. It's just about friendship and about loss and about everything, and it just makes it so much more impactful knowing everything that happened with River Phoenix after the film. Yeah, um, it's just an amazing film. And if you haven't seen it, what what are you doing? Listen to this. Yeah, yes. start, start yeah. great great favorite now on because you're a comedian obviously i want to I'll, sometimes i'll talk about a favorite and i've got mm. a great book if you haven't read it it's yeah. this one it's steve martin uh, 
Have you I've read it? To it? I've listened to the audiobook. Yeah, great book. You know, th- this is such an eye opener um, mm. because he talks about some of the pain. You know, it's, how- it's, it's Steve Martin's born standing up for us and listening on the audio, but on the audio format of this. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and he talks about the hundreds of gigs he did where not mm. one person laughed. Uh, yeah. You know, but like I said, you'll see it. You'd see him on stage and think, oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. But right. you don't see the workings and everything else behind the scenes that he talks about in the, he talks about in the book. And he talks about the, he talks about how he kind of hated doing the arena stadium gigs because yeah. they weren't intimate. Yeah. And, that was really powerful and that's really, really eye-opening to him. You just wouldn't think that if you just saw yeah. him on stage, would you? No, no, no. Yeah, great. Great. I'm glad you've heard that. Uh, Bryn, now if people want to listen to your stuff, uh, right. podcasts, things like that, what are all your, your handles and stuff? Okay, so my Twitter is Kyle Wolf Comedy. Um, so is my Instagram, that's Kyle Wolf Comedy as well. Um, the podcast is called The One Where and The One Where with Kyle Wolf and it is going into its second series um, in I believe December so I'm halfway through recording it now and there's going to be like a trailer coming out in the on the Instagram in the next week or so and yeah that's going to be coming out very early December and yeah, I'll be putting gigs lists up at some point, as and when gigs start happening again. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll put a link to the podcast in the description notes anyway. I imagine. Uh, but I've, I've been listening to it, and there's some great conversations. I was listening to one with Aaron Hood. Um, Aaron Hood? Oh. He, he says some funny things. And it, He's a lovely guy. He's a lovely dude. Yeah. He's a lovely dude. Um, so, um, yeah, that is, that is a great podcast. And if people want to listen to something funny, yeah, yeah. where it's brilliant. Well, look, listen, it's been an absolute joy, Kyle, to speak to you. We got there eventually, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we did. Like the, the, um, the, the gods were on our sides today. They were. And if you want me to come on yours, by all means, yes, you know, drop us an invite. We'll, we'll have another chat because I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, um, I, I would absolutely love to, man. Um, I'll drop you an email in the next couple of days, actually. Excellent stuff. This will probably be released probably in a week's time, but I'll send you all the info then anyway. Uh, nice one. All right. Cool, Thanks cool, cool. ever so much for coming on, Kyle. An absolute pleasure. Okay. And I'll speak right. to you soon. See ya. Bye. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Carl for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast um, because over the next coming months leading up to Christmas and beyond, we have got some awesome interviews. Uh, remember the podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms, iTunes and Spotify. Please, please, please leave a rating on there and subscribe. It makes a massive difference. Uh, to keep up to date with Facebook, just put My Way of Thinking in. Uh, my Way of Thinking podcast. Also on Twitter is My Way of Thinking with a three on the end instead of a G. Every week I also put the whole conversation on YouTube so you can see this wonderful beard developing, uh, which is My Way of Thinking podcast. And finally, if you want to get involved or if you think you might be a great guest or you know someone would be a great guest, then uh, get in touch. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Carl for joining me today. Make sure you follow the podcast because over the next few months towards Christmas and through Christmas, we're going to have some crackers. Make sure you follow the usual platforms, iTunes and Spotify. So leave a rating on there and subscribe. To keep up to date, follow Facebook, which is My Way of Thinking podcast. And Twitter is My Way of Thinking with a three on the end instead of a G. Uh, every week I put the old conversation on YouTube as well. Uh, 
So make sure you put My Way Thinking Podcast in there and subscribe and like. And finally, if you want to get in touch or you think you will be a brilliant guest or you know someone of your good guests, then email me, mawatpodcast at aol.com. Thank you ever so much for listening in. I will speak, speak, speak soon. Speak soon. Take care. Much love. See you later.